Hi, my name is Lydia. And I'm Emma. And we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long, Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship, where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Holy Ship Podcast. Today we welcome Dan Purcell. He is the founder of Get Your Marriage On. Their marriage went through a bit of a renaissance a few years ago and wanted to share what he learned with other couples. They created, him and his wife Emily, a fun and sexy bedroom game called Intimately Us that has been downloaded over 300,000 times. They put on events and retreats for couples, they're hosts of the Get Your Marriage On podcast, and coaches other marriage and intimacy. Dan and Emily have been married for 18 years and have six kids. Dan loves cracking dad jokes, running marathons, planning the next creative date night with his sweetheart, and enjoys the magnificent outdoors and their St. George home. So without further ado, Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's an honor, actually. Thanks. Oh, thank you. That makes that makes us feel so good. Um, yeah, so we're so excited to have you. And we would love if you start this conversation off by telling us a little bit um, more about yourself. Oh, great. Um, so just like what the bio said, I've been married 18 years to a wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, we were friends in middle school. And like throughout high school, we're always in the same circle of friends. We did, we went on a few dates, so we never like dated seriously Mm -hmm. until uh, we went to separate universities. And one summer between our sophomore and junior year, we came home and uh, we just hit it off that summer. Um, And then uh, we were engaged by the end of the summer. So kind of, kind of have, it's kind of like a high school sweetheart story, but more like we're just always friends first and Mm -hmm. kind of evolution went that way that's so awesome and yeah so uh, we both come from good families and um we're just i don't know just been lucky to have a really good marriage but when it came to sex and intimacy it was something that wasn't really discussed a lot in our homes growing up or and if Mm -hmm. it was it was either the biological reproduction side of sex and intimacy or the thou shalt not conversation like the dangers and whatever so when we get married, it's like, okay, you can have, you know, sex now. And, but <laughs> just like what to do or how to build a great sex life was kind of clueless to us. And uh, we're not the type that would like Google our sex questions or watch salacious movies or whatever. Right. So we kind of just got by, you know, thinking everything's fine until one day. Uh, been married about 13 years at this point And a friend, uh, and I were having a conversation and he really opened up to me about his sex life. And I don't know about you, but my friends like generally don't go around talking about their sex lives. Uh, maybe you two do because you run this podcast, yeah. but like <laughs> I was, I was a little shocked at first that he would he'd talk about this. And what he was talking about was how his wife approached him and said she wanted more. Uh, he wanted him to up his game because she wasn't being satisfied very well in bed. And he took it really personally. His guard was up like, what do you mean? I'm not good enough for you. It's like, no, no, I, we just need to like figure things out. So they bought like a bedroom game, which I didn't know existed at that time, but they bought a bedroom game 
and they they played this bedroom game. He's like, holy cow, Dan, I gotta tell you, this changed our marriage. I guess they had so much fun. They'd like play every night for like two weeks. <laughs> like anyway, his whole point of telling me this was when he and his wife are connecting better sexually, uh, their whole relationship improved. Like they're communicating better, they're co- you know, they're parenting better with their kids, like his work is going better. Like there's all these benefits to life, like life in general just went better once he and his wife are like clicking and connecting better. And he talked about how much, how much stronger their bond is. So I'm, I'm blushing the whole time because he's getting into detail about certain sexual behaviors that I thought I didn't know if people actually did, but like, (laughs) and I'm like, wow, he's telling me about these Christian friendly books and podcasts and websites. And um, uh, anyway, it really piqued my interest. So I went home and I was pretty self-conscious because like now I'm wondering if my wife isn't satisfied (laughs) in bed and just hasn't told me yet. So uh, I really opened up and with Emily and kind of told her about my conversation with my friend and asked her kind of what she thought. And up until that point in our marriage, that was probably the most like most vulnerable conversation we've had about our sexual relationship to that point. And we went deep, deep. We probably were up to like 2 a.m. that night talking. And then the next night and the next night, just it brought, we just peeled back onion layer after onion layer, so to speak, just to get really deep down into the, to kind of what we thought and felt about certain things. Uh, and we've realized we had a lot of room to improve. We didn't know it, but we did. And uh, so we kind of went on this journey together. We started reading books and podcasts. Well, you listen to podcasts and we, we read blogs and, and uh, we started to really kind of invest and to experiment and try and try to really um, work on our sex life. And all of a sudden we're connecting better. Uh, we're flirting all the time and there's just this ease between us again. And um, we're parenting better. My work is going better. The sky is bluer. The grass is greener. Like everything in life is like so much better. There's like a pep in my step. Like I got the big smile on my face all the time. I'm more relaxed. Like there's just like this, like incredible, like joy that, and you know, when we get married, we make covenants and vows with, with our spouse and those, those new vows took on, those vows took on like deeper meaning once our connection became stronger. And uh, ever since then wanted to help other couples that may not have had a great sexual education like we did yeah. to have a better sex life. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a software developer. So uh, I thought this would be so good in an app form. So we created the Intimately Us app. And that's kind of a, a product of, of, of our research and our experience. That's, that's so awesome. cool. <laughs> yeah, something that we tell our listeners and that we, you know, have come to know ourselves um, is that this is a journey and it's such a beautiful journey that can happen within marriage and so you know there's not like a final um product and i feel like the world places really big expectations on uh couples young and old about how things should be um in the bedroom but that's just not the reality and the reality is you know you get to have a lot of fun going through this journey and um in the process. And so, um, yeah, we, I love your story. That's really, really cool. And I also, um, love the fact that you've used your, um, 
your skills as a software engineer to make this more appealing to like a younger generation. Um, you know, because the fact of the matter is, I don't know too many people that pull out board games in like the physical form. I mean, I do, I still do, but like an app is just so much more convenient, and I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. So, what was your view and approach to sex before you started like changing your framework? Because I know you said you had that long like conversation with your wife. What was the approach? like before or was there really not much of an approach uh to be frank our approach was lights off 10 minutes missionary position and that was it like but uh as they say when all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail Mm -hmm. so uh maybe that's a bad pun because we really we weren't really nailing it down really well (laughs) in the bedroom um and so uh our approach was was like this is okay. This is good. But it wasn't, it wasn't like, it always felt like something was missing, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what it was. We didn't know what it was, but we also felt like we were in the dark literally and figuratively because like <laughs> we didn't know where to turn and where it would be good information to get. So it feels like a land, like if someone said there's a minefield, like there's landmines everywhere in this field, don't go there, mm-hmm. but you want to get to the other side. Uh, some people would rather just not even venture into the minefield rather than really like get down and study. What does a mine look like? What are the safe places to go? And not like there are signs you can look for so you can traverse the minefield safely and, you know, get to your other side. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it felt to us. And once that friend kind of pointed out, no, this is how you kind of navigate this. It all of a sudden gave us permission to like, wait, we can be, we can be really sexual. We can really be really creative. We can let our like personalities out and really get to know each other at this deeper fundamental level. Mm-hmm. I think we're, my old self was afraid of eroticism in general, thinking anything that's somewhat erotic must be evil or bad or sensual or carnal or something like that. Yeah. But my new framework is no, we are erotic creatures. It's part of being a human, just as we are spiritual, you know, physical and mental and emotional. Mm-hmm. And it's a part of us that if we want to become a whole person that's really integrated, like to, uh, we want to integrate our erotic self into the rest of ourself too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a healthy part of expressing who we are. Mm-hmm. How did you disassociate um, like eroticism from being bad? Was it just like over time or do you, do you have like mentors that you would attribute this to? Cause I feel like even growing up for me in very like Christian environments, like I still have that in the back of my mind of it being bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a lot of that. Like, is this really okay? Yeah. I'll give you a specific example. Uh, there's a website called christianfriendlysexpositions.com that has stick figure drawings of different sex positions. Like it's, it's really? like, it's like PG 13 or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, okay. It's not, it's not like what I definitely wouldn't consider anything off color or anything. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's tastefully d- done and drawn. You're probably you're nodding your head. You're familiar with the site. Yeah, You are but- Lydia. I don't know about this. Hannah um, from Say What talks about it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, now I know. (laughs) So first time I go to the site, I'm like shocked. Wait, is this really okay to like, 
explore and think about it's all about geometry right sex positions are like different ways to like get your bodies together but like but there's definitely an arousing component to it like because i'm thinking of myself and my wife you know oh we could try this so that looks like fun we could try that and my old self would like wait i'm feeling aroused right now i don't know if this is okay and kind of shut it down but the new part of me is like wait there's some good here is this really okay so uh i i did a number of things and um the first thing is i I really took it to prayer i i believe in receiving answers to prayer and that we can you know god will hear our prayers and Mm -hmm. Like what it says in James 1.5, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives liberally. I, I believe in that principle. So I would pray and like, is this really okay for us to explore and understand? Because I was really timid. I just did not want to cross that line and not have the Holy Spirit with me because I'm doing something contrary to what God wants me to do. And to my surprise, I got a very encouraging, peaceful answer which kind of gave me some, some encouragement, but I still had a lot of questions. I still didn't know which way was up or down. And I don't know why, maybe this is part of a God thing too, but in my neighborhood, I know five marriage and family therapists. Like you could like throw a rock in in any direction. Maybe, maybe we all need them in my town. I don't know why. So I'm friends with one of them and I, I took him to lunch and I kind of told him what's going on. And Uh, He specifically works with married couples that are in distress where there's been some sort of betrayal trauma, like an Mm -hmm. affair or pornography use disclosure or something like that. So I thought of anyone, he would, he would know where the line is. I could ask him like, what's okay. Not so okay. And he was so encouraging to me. And he was, uh, he was a great mentor to me. He answered a lot of my sex questions that I had at that time. And, uh, we're there sitting at Chick-fil-A and I'm sorry for the people sitting in the booth next to us. If they're over here in our conversation <laughs> talking about, you know, body parts and like orgasms and <laughs> all these things. But uh, yeah, it was, it was like really awesome to have this like frank conversation with someone who has a very positive view of sexuality and uh, it was very encouraging to me. So he was mm-hmm. also one of my mentors. It's awesome. Yeah. I guess I'm curious, did you have any anxiety surrounding sex, like pre-marriage um, or I guess even during marriage? And like, how did you navigate that? Yeah, um, we had some, we definitely had anxiety. Like it wasn't a topic that we could talk about together before we married without a lot of blushing involved. And uh, also maybe didn't have a lot of counsel that we should talk about it or how we should talk about it. <laughs> I do remember a few embarrassing moments, though, for me, at least. Um, uh, After I'd proposed, my parents and my wife's parents and and us, so the six of us, got together for dinner to plan the wedding. And while we're waiting to be seated, uh, I overheard my mother, my future mother-in-law, telling my wife, her daughter, that we should get you a a uh, premarital medical exam to make sure your hole is big enough. And I just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> she, she said that like, oh. So I remember blushing at that time. Like, so like, little things like that would cause a little bit of anxiety. Yeah. And as our wedding day got closer, I'd have a lot of sexual thoughts towards, towards my fiance. We, we were committed to saving ourselves for marriage. And the thought and being taught that 
enter- entertaining sexual thoughts is, is wrong. It's kind of something that, that I've been raised with. So uh, like, oh my goodness, like, what do I do? So I, re- I went to my, my um, the leader of our church. In our church, we call him a bishop. Like, it's like a pastor. Mm-hmm. And like, I told him, I, I'm, str- I'm dealing with a lot of sexual thoughts right now. I, and I'm here to like confess my sins. That's kind of the, the way I was going. But he's like, oh, that's okay. It's okay. I think about, I fantasize about my wife all the time. And I was like, really? It's so <laughs> nice to have another adult, like give me permission that mm-hmm. this is perfectly normal and this is totally okay. So like little things like that were really helpful. And, um, uh, but, it's, but being a little embarrassed about things like, okay. One other really personal story is, uh, you can edit this out. <laughs> I don't think it's appropriate for your audience, but I just remember my wife and I were so excited for a wedding night. We have been looking forward to this. And like, so we, uh, so we undress and we're, we're just so excited. And, um, uh, we have sex, I ejaculate, and then my penis goes flaccid. And I thought something was wrong because all the lyrics to all the love songs talk about making love all night long. Thought, <laughs> How can I make love all night long if my body is not going to cooperate? So like having like, like embarrassment there and like, is this okay? Like I just had so many questions. So we, we were both college students still at the time. I go to our college library and I do a search on their computer system and find a book on human sex, like a textbook on human sexuality. Like this will probably help me figure out like what's going on with me. And I remember being so like anxious uh, going to that part, that section of the library. I like shift my eyes left, shift my eyes right, make sure nobody's watching as I pull that off the shelf. And I quickly run to the checkout. I don't even make eye contact with the lady, you know, scanning the book. <laughs> and I go home and I'm like, I take it out of my backpack and I flip open the book. And there's like a, there's like a hand, like a drawing of a man and a woman having sex, like different sex positions. And I flip the page and there's oral sex and then flip the page and like doggy style and like all these things. And I immediately thought, oh no, what did I, I just, I just got a porn book from the library. <laughs> or That's what I thought. <laughs> and so I shut the book and I returned it the next day feeling so embarrassed, but looking back, it's, it was, I, I, lacked the maturity to really like be able to process like really mm-hmm. what it is I'm, I'm looking at and is this okay? Because I think sometimes, especially growing up in a culture in, in the church where we talk about how porn is wrong and evil, which I agree it is, there's nothing really good that can come from pornography, but there's definitely a difference between healthy sexual education and pornography. And sometimes we conflate the two where um, we, having a good sexual education about how to really uh, make love, how to really cherish each other, and how to really give and know each other in this way is, is really a good and wholesome thing. Yeah. And uh, I wish I had understood that better yeah. uh, earlier on. I actually love that you brought this up because I think that this is something that people need to hear. And a part of the reason why we started this podcast is because I actually, I told you, Lydia, one day we were, we were on a walk and sort of like something that you, that you shared is kind of what I had a revelation about. I was like, you know, I think that there's a difference between innocence and ignorance. And I think that being, you know, 
pure and staying pure of you know heart and mind is so good and so important and so beautiful but you know to what point does it become more like ignorance where you can fall into the trappings of the world and then you feel that shame and that guilt and confusion and you're like why and there's like just it overtakes you and overwhelms you and so that's you know we we talked about that for a while because i think that there's a lot of people that um you know they're striving for the right thing and that's you know that's great that's awesome that's you know what you want but at the same time you don't want to be so ignorant to what the realities are because then you are more susceptible to like um like trappings if you will but yeah anyways that's just a little bunny trail but i really like that you shared that um yeah so i guess on a more positive note um how did you make like sex more fun and enjoyable was it through the board game that you heard about or like was it a culmination of websites and books and whatnot oh it's it's a lot of things so uh i think one of my god-given gifts is creativity Mm -hmm. and once i i felt like i had permission to really express creativity in the bedroom it was like there's all right emily you're gonna get it there's no holding back this is gonna be really fun (laughs) so um i remember so all this was all this renaissance was taking place in our marriage in in january and valentine's day is coming up so i thought uh unbeknownst to her i had planned 14 days of valentine's leading up to valentine's day and uh all these like every day there was going to be something a little romantic a little just just to express my love to her and i was so giddy with excitement like I used to do little cute things like this, like when we were engaged or the, you know, before when we were dating. And then as the marriage has gone on and business and work and kids and mortgage and life, I had mm-hmm. like lost touch with these things. So it was like a like a wake-up call. Oh, I remember like hiding notes all around the house for her to find. I haven't done that in years. So this is like a big wake-up call to me. So part of the creativity in the bedroom came from like, you know, I really want to remove all the stops. And I want my wife to know how much I really love her and appreciate her. What a remarkable woman she is. And I don't want to take her for granted anymore. So uh, that was kind of like the start of like unleashing the creativity within me. And um, I just, I'll give you a few ideas of some fun things we've done. Like uh, there's the traditional like scavenger hunt where you give her a note. There's a clue. You have to go find the next clue. There's another note. You unlock that clue, kind of like guides you around. Um, another day, um, I knew she was low on gasoline. So I wrote, I, I hit a note in the little compartment where the gas uh, take is. And um, so <laughs> to her surprise, she opens that part up to, put, to fill her car with gas. And there's another note. And so, so notes have, have been kind of a fun and flirty way for us to communicate. Mm. And then uh, one night I had planned this. Um, uh, I, I went to the store and got a lot of little things. And I had organized a, minute, a bunch of minute to win it games, like move M&Ms from one thing to another. And like, anyway, I, 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 this minute to win it games, we're going to play a bedroom edition of minute to win it games, like uh, tie, a, tie a string to a banana and the other end to your waist. And there was like an orange on the ground. 
And with the banana dangling between your legs, you have to move the orange from one side of the room to the other. Oh, and you time it so that. you can do it faster. I got all my wife's bras and put them on the bed and got oven mitts on my hand and, and her hands too. And we timed how quickly you can unclasp all the bras <laughs> wearing oven mitts. Um, what else do we do? Oh, I got an empty tissue box and tied it to your waist and filled it with ping pong balls. So you have to like shake your, your, your booty to get all the ping pong balls out. Incredible. Uh, like a bunch of ideas, like other things with like chocolate syrup. And anyway, we just laughed so hard. <laughs> we just had such a great time. And we've done other really fun, creative things too. Um, I've read about these things and uh, I, just, I just pick up ideas from others and like, hey, that would be really fun to do. Um, so yeah, you pick them up and you try them. Oh, that's so fun. Um, on your site, you talk about how the best sex is intimate sex. How do you like practically do this? What exactly does that mean? And like, how can like our listeners kind of like start implementing that into their lives? Oh, great. So if you, re- this is a, uh, based on a lot of experience and a lot of research for me, and this is something I've become really passionate about, is I I believe there's like three stages to sex. There's the first stage is like, uh, okay, we, uh, our bodies are together and we're doing something. And that's, that's like us newlywed, you know, through 13 years or like we're getting by and it's okay. And then stage two sex is like, okay, I'm going to get really skilled at this and I'm going to learn how to really turn you on. I'm going to learn like really good at the skill of, mm-hmm. of giving pleasure. So for a husband that might be really learning the techniques and tricks or whatever he needs to know to bring his wife to orgasm, for instance, and vice versa. But there's something different about stage three. It's like going to a concert, let's say a violinist, and you can have a violinist who's technically very talented. You can play all the notes really, really well. And then out comes the master violinist and plays the song, same song, but it's coming from the heart. There's something emotional and moving about it. It's like it'll bring you to tears or it makes you want to stand and clap when it's done because the music moved something. It became an expression of who they are. Mm-hmm. That to me, what I think is what stage three type sex can be. And that can only happen at a point where you have really good intimacy. If you really want to improve the quality of your sex life in a long-term marriage, uh, the quickest and most long enduring way to do that is by focusing on intimacy first. And intimacy I define as not a uh, substitute word for sex, like we often toss out (laughs) around in our culture. But what I mean is like a really deep and fundamental knowing. But it takes quite a bit of maturity to become to, to have an intimate relationship because A, it means you need to be solid within yourself. Like mm-hmm. you need to be comfortable with who you are. You need to be happy with who you are. You need to be able to like regulate yourself really well. And it also means you need to be able to be in a relationship with someone else, which are two sometimes like paradoxical things, but mm-hmm. learning how to do that well, it's part of growing up. But imagine making love to someone that you know has your back that loves you for who you are deep to the core and knows you, knows you so well and still like adores you and cherishes you. That is really good lovemaking in my opinion. And that can only happen when you're to be intimate. Some people fear intimacy. Like I was coaching a couple last, 
uh, Friday, they came into my office and uh, in their marriage, he's, she's the higher desire spouse. So she, she wants sex more frequently than her husband does. And uh, uh, she just wants to be wanted. Like, I just want you to kiss me. I just want you to tell me I'm beautiful. And he's, he has, he has good excuses. Like, well, my parents never showed affection. I wasn't modeled this. This is really uncomfortable for me. I don't give compliments out all the time. Like, and I could just say those words for you if you want, but that's not what she wants. Mm. And what he's really fearing is intimacy because he's afraid if he really opens up who he is, she's not going to want him anymore. So he'd rather be guarded. Mm-hmm. So it, intimacy is, is not easy. It's not for wimps because it's very exposing. It's like, here I am. This is me. Flaws, warts and all. Like, <laughs> this is what's on my mind. And uh, a lot of times you hear about couples complain about how sex got boring the longer they've been married. It's not because the sex got boring. It's because they stopped sharing who they were with others. Mm-hmm. They stopped exposing all of them and only showing the parts they're allowing other people to see. And, and I don't mean that in a physical sense, like undressing. It's like allowing someone to really see your mind and mm-hmm. map your mind. Yeah. And the biblical parallels with that are pretty astounding. So not to <laughs> go on another tangent here, but I think that's a very excellent point. Um, what would be your biggest piece of advice for couples trying to work on their sex lives? And then maybe after that, the biggest piece of advice for couples who are engaged. So if, if uh, for couples that have been married a while, besides, you know, really working on their intimacy, mm-hmm. that could, uh, if at all possible, is prioritizing your marriage, prioritizing each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, in a marriage, there's, there's three entities. There's a you, the me, and the we. Mm-hmm. So it's often a struggle with the we versus the me. That's, that's where the priority struggles happen. But if marriages would take, uh, both of them are fully committed to be equal partners in the marriage and you get rid of hierarchies. So that's not a, I'm better than you, or you better than me. Or when in conflict, I usually, you know, one up you and you one under me, like really commit to like being equals in the marriage and then prioritize the we over the me that will help facilitate deeper intimacy and greater sex life. It's more like practical things. Um, uh, a lot about sexual things specifically, our marriage, our sex life really improved dramatically once we figured out how my, how, once my wife learned how to orgasm regularly. And that's, that might be a little, um, uh, I, I just, it's just really common for a lot of women to haven't had an orgasm and uh, not saying orgasm is the be all end all for a sexual mm-hmm. experience, but uh, if if uh, it, there's, there's an orgasm gap, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. In heterosexual couples, over 95% of men have a pleasurable you know, orgasm or sexual experience compared to only 64% of women regularly have, have an orgasm or something. And those numbers, I, there might be an even bigger gap than that based on how they're reporting it. But uh, if you can bring, bring, make it a great experience for both people equally, then I think that would help uh, 
both partners want to engage sexually more often because there's something in it for me now. It's not just something, uh, oh, that's another thing to watch out for duty sex. I'm not, it's not, you don't do it just for your spouse, but you're doing it for yourself also because you're going to get a lot out of it for myself. Mm. Kind of having that attitude helps. Yeah. Uh, for those engaged, uh, newlywed, or about to be, about to be wedded, um, don't be like us and like have open conversations about your sexual expectations. I heard about a couple who didn't talk, um, and he just had this in his mind that once they're married, uh, he would receive a lot of oral sex. That was something really high priority to him. It meant a lot to him. It was very important to him, but didn't communicate it because they didn't talk about these things. And so on their wedding night, he expressed, this is what he would like. And she was like appalled and disgusted because she didn't like the idea of, of giving oral sex. And um, anyway, that caused a lot of conflict early on in their marriage uh, from the get-go. Whereas if they had these conversations earlier, they could have, you know, it wouldn't have been like, okay, now we're married, we're supposed to do this. It's, right. it's, not, it's not in that context. It's, it's more like, no, these are my preferences. This is kind of what I've always had in mind. What do you think? And then you can kind of talk about them in a lot more calm setting rather than when the pressure's on. So mm. having those conversations. And there, we have a tool on our website called the Sexploration List. We also have it in our app, Intimately Us. It gives you a bunch of like sexual preference questions. Like, do you like this? Or what do you think about that? And you can mark thumbs up, thumbs down, or maybe on each one of them. So you can compare your answers. It's a great conversation start for newlyweds. Oh, that's awesome. We'll make sure we link that in the um, description of the episode too. So mm -hmm. right, you can see that. Perfect. Dan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. Yeah, it was just such a pleasure to speak with you and just hear all of your insights and learn more about your app and your program. It's such an honor. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to DM us or email us at theholyship.podcast or our email is theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening and have a great week.